You are now listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Again, this is going to be another one of our quick hitters. Um, We have actually had... An episode posted this week already. I've already shared that uh, to our Twitter page, uh, MYKSOM Podcast, on our Facebook page, and many fan group uh, Nick pages, where um, Danny Small sat or had the opportunity to interview Frank Nulakina one on one. Uh, he did that for us, and you can listen to that episode. It's on right now. It's about an 11-minute interview. Really good stuff with uh, Frank Nielakina. And you know, thanks to uh, Danny for for doing that interview for us. Um, so you can listen to that. So we have that episode on, and we decided to do another quick hitter uh, where we just have this one segment, none of the commercial breaks and all that. And there's quite a bit to talk about. In this one segment, many things have gone on since our last episode that we did. Obviously, the Brazingis injury we're going to get to, uh, the trades that were made over the weekend, or, or really last week before the deadline, uh, so before the weekend, because um, last Thursday was the deadline. And, and you know, I, I would like to just start, because right now it is Thursday that we're recording this podcast, so again, a little later in the week. Uh, yesterday was the game against uh, the Washington Wizards, the final game before the All-Star break. Chip, we were up 27 points. Like, how, how do you blow a 27-point lead? Like, and I, look, this happens every once in a while, but for the Knicks, it's like the norm. When we have leads, we blow them all the time. And I understand it's like the best thing for us to lose right now, but it's just still like... 27 points gone in 11 minutes. It just evaporated like that. Tim Hardaway Jr. was unbelievable in the first half. Uh, 12 of 14 shooting, 32 points. He was 2 of 10 in the second half. So looks like the Tim Hardaway Jr. that we've been seeing the last several weeks. What was your reaction to that? I mean, 27 points in 11 minutes, just gone. Well, my reaction to it was I blame Jeff Hornacek because when you have a 27-point lead and you can't close the deal, it's on the coach to not be able to keep the players fired up. Um, uh, I I don't know what he said in that locker room, but um, he he didn't say the right thing. You know, and my opinion of Jeff Hornacek is that he typically doesn't say the right thing, but uh, his... Rotations are absolutely preposterous, but that's a totally different segment. And like you said, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 32 points in the first half, and he was going crazy, and uh, he finished with 37 and played 40 minutes, and he finished with a plus-minus of minus four. The guy scored 37 points, and he was a minus four. I mean, the Knicks were an abomination, last night in the second half. And 
I I really blame Jeff Hornacek for that. I think that he that that was my first thought because my first thought was uh, whenever I watch the game, I always look at uh, the point guard minutes breakdown. After it, I look at how many minutes Jared Jack played and how many minutes Frank and Burke played, and now Emmanuel Moutier. And uh, last night, Jared Jack played 28 minutes. Moutier played 20, and Frank played 11, and Trey Burke took a DNP. Yeah. And obviously, Knicks fans are furious about that. Yeah. Um, And for very good reason, um, Jared Jack is certainly not a 30-minute-per-game player. And you can make the argument, in his career, he has never been a 30-minute-per-game player. Um, and last night, he was one for five with five points. Goodness. So, I mean, but look. But I don't even blame Jeff Hornacek. I think this is what happens when you have a coach who wasn't hired by the current general manager. Um, the current general manager wants the young guys to play and develop, but the current head coach is coaching for wins and to keep his job. Uh, so he's not interested in developing Emmanuel Moutier or Frankie Lakina because they both throw the ball over the all over the gym and commit senseless turnovers. Jared Jack said whatever you want about him, he does not turn the ball over. He had one turnover last night in 28 minutes. You know, Emmanuel Moutier played 20 minutes last night. He had four turnovers. Um, that's just, and three assists, uh, three assists to four turnovers. So it's just, as long as Jeff Warner checks the coach, there will be no youth movement. If, yeah. if that's what you want to call it in New York. So that was my immediate thought. Uh, putting it on Horner check. I know it sounds hard to say, but I've, I've tried to give the guy a chance all year long and say, um, Phil's not here. Let's let him coach. But now I'm, my mind is firmly made up after this first half of the season, going to the all-star break. Hornacek is not the guy going forward. There needs to be a change. It's funny, Chip, because I actually agree with you. Like, you know, I, I have defended Hornacek a lot on the show. I still don't think a lot of it is his fault. I mean, just look at the mess the organization's in, and anybody that, that takes that on is going to have a really tough job to do. But it's, you know, I said I would like to see him have a full year, maybe two years. And I get why he's playing these veterans, because he is trying to coach for his job. I mean, but I think like we talked about last week's show, if he plays these young guys and they start to develop and they actually start showing promise, that that probably can save his job, even if we're losing games. If you're just showing that, okay, this guy took a big step in the last few months, and look at the adjustments that Hornacek made. So th- to me, at this point, going down with the veterans isn't working. Try to change it up. But I'm with you. I just think it- it's starting to run its course even with me. And I I, I-, I don't see Hornacek um, beyond this year. I don't think he's going to get fired for um, you know some point this season or in the season. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But... I, the more it looks like this will be it for him, it just looks like, as you said, he's not the man for the job. Uh, with that being said, we'll move on to um, something that we haven't discussed. I, I know this has been discussed since it happened um, with Christoph Brzingis. Obviously, the news, nothing new here. He, he tore his ACL. Uh, he had surgery, I believe, on Tuesday. 
Um, he's going to be out 10 months. But basically, Chip, I, I, I want to ask you, when number one, we lose Persingas. He's going to be out for 10 months. And I, I want to kind of avoid what this means for the Knicks because we all know what it means. It, it, we're going to suck. But something that I'm thinking about, if he's out for 10 months, that, that means it's going to be about December, January next year when he's back able to play. I expect the Knicks to be terrible for the rest of this year and early on next year. I don't think we're going to see a hot start from him. If the Knicks are so bad, and let's say January, the 1st of January is when they're targeting Przingis to come back. If we're X amount of games under 500, what kind of role do you see him taking next year is it let's bring him back and we'll play him uh just so he can get the rust off or is it they're gonna baby him next year basically little baby steps might play you know every other game or or something or or restrict his minutes because the best thing for us is to lose and it's gonna be this year it's gonna be next year but what kind of role do you see him playing when he comes back no he tore his acl he's going to come back next year and by the way it's it's ten minute. It's uh, it's ten months, but that's like the reported date now. Um, but it could be more. I mean, he just had the surgery, and the official date hasn't been announced yet. It's at least ten months. I mean, I think the guy from the Jazz, Exum, was out for longer than a year. I think he was out for fourteen months. So God forbid. But hopefully, hopefully, it's ten months. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's ten months. But uh, as far as when he comes back, it's an ACL tear. So when he comes back, he will definitely be on a minutes restriction, yeah. especially since, as you said, their record will be crap when he comes back yeah. anyway. Um, I, I would assume he'd be like, you look at Jabari Parker with the Bucks right now, he's playing, what, like 15 minutes a game? I would think that's how they'll do it. Bring him off the bench, have him play 15 minutes a game. Um, and then gradually ease him into the starting lineup again and have him be KP again. But, uh, yeah, he's, it sucks. The injury is awful because not, obviously it's awful to see that happen to any player, but it's awful for the Knicks because things were actually starting to look up for the first time since, I don't know, ever it feels like, (laughs) but, um, but uh, in all seriousness, the, the, the injury changes everything because if they had any chance of acquiring some sort of free agent in the next two years, in the, somebody in the summer of 2019, like along the lines of a Clay Thompson or a Kawhi Leonard, that's out because mm-hmm. they don't know about Kristaps now. But... Um, yeah, it just shifts the whole rebuild because now they're not going to be one of those teams that pushes for the playoffs while they're rebuilding. Now they're going to be more along the lines of a Sixers type of rebuild. Yeah, by and not by choice. Yeah, obviously. But um, I was just going to say, didn't mean to cut you off. Let you finish, but basically, with the Sixers kind of re, re uh, rebuilding kind of way of doing it, it's you got to draft right. Because it could take yes. five years yes. if you draft wrong. But go go ahead, exactly. finish what was, you were saying. No, no, no. I I totally agree with you. I was just going to say the Sixers got really lucky with the the draft positions they ended up with mm-hmm. in 
and the Knicks have been notorious for get ending up in bad spots in the draft. Yep. Ending up in the draft, the draft, it's a lot of luck, and the Knicks have not been lucky in the draft. So I think it's a dangerous game you play if you're relying on the draft always. Um, I, I think that the Houston Rockets have proven that there's a lot to gain from winning in, and the Boston Celtics too have proven there's a lot to gain from free agency and trades to becoming a contender. I think there's only, you count on the draft, you're always playing with fire. Not yeah. everybody can be the Golden State Warriors and get that yeah. <laughs> get lucky. I mean, that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. You know, right now, the Knicks are, I believe, the 10th worst record. Do you see it possible they can get into the top five? Because that's what I'm hoping for. I, I don't want to have, like, yeah. let's say, the 8th or the 10th pick. No, I don't want I don't want the 8th or 10th. Yeah. I want a top five pick now. Yeah. Do, do you think that's possible this year with them? Do you see them dropping that far down? They've lost eight in a row. Yeah. Um, and... I don't see any chance of them turning that around anytime soon. There's no reason to think they will. I mean, they play at Orlando their first game back on the 22nd. They could win that one. We need to lose uh, that Orlando's, one. Yeah. <laughs> Orlando's atrocious. But yeah. Orlando's atrocious, but it is at Orlando. They don't win on the road. It, with KP, they didn't win on the road. Yeah. So, and then the next three games are... Boston at home, Golden State at home, and then at the Clippers. So they're going to lose all three of those. Yep. Um, it's going to be ugly when they come back from the All-Star break. And then they got at the Kings, which they'll probably win, but then they got at Portland, at Milwaukee, and then they got the Raptors. Oh, man, it is a rough schedule after the All-Star break for them. It, yeah, I, they could easily be 10 games after the All-Star break, after the first 10 games of after the All-Star break, they could be in that top six spot, top five, top six spot that you're talking about. They yep. could slide that far. That's they the, could lose eight out of those 10. They really could, and they could yep. be falling fast. So, yeah, look, uh, we talked about it last week. I mean, I want Luka Doncic. So, yeah, we, I, need, the, we need a top I'm pick a, probably to get him. Yeah, we might. We might. Look, the kid from Arizona, uh, Bembry, I-, I think is shooting up draft boards. Uh-huh. I- I'm not sure. I think it's one of those drafts where there's no undisputed number one pick. I think it's going to depend on who actually gets the number one That's pick. That's a good point. That's so, an excellent point. Yeah, I mean, like if the Bulls get the number one pick, I think they'll probably just take the best player available because they're so bad yep. that, that they're just going to take whoever. They'll probably take a big guy, but... I don't know. Like the Phoenix Suns, you can never really gauge what they're going to do. But it's weird. It's a weird draft. And I think if the Knicks can get, like you said, if the Knicks can get to that top five spot, though, they're going to get a serious player. But if they're stuck back at like eight or nine, like you said, they're not getting a game breaker. They're just not. That's another role type player that right now we need need a young player to be a superstar. We need that to happen in order for – you know, to get out of this funk that we're in and this hole that we've been in for all these years. Um, and, and to me, Chip, you know, back on the Brzingis thing, I, I think, you know, when he comes back, let's say if it's late December, early January, you know, we definitely know he's going to be on a, a uh, 
you know, a minute restriction. He's definitely going to probably not play back-to-back nights. Uh, and I think by April next year, they'll shut him down again. There's no point of finishing out the season. There, you know, there's just n- no sense behind that at all because uh, we're going to be out of it. And hopefully we can get into a top five this year because that's really going to be the best thing for us. So we're going to change gears, jump into the other side of our conversation and talk a little bit about uh, the deadline, the, the trades that the New York Knicks made, uh, some guys that are still around that perhaps we probably should have traded. Uh, but we'll start off with you know, the biggest acquisition, which is uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Chip, what do you think about that trade? What do you think about Moutier? What I think about Moutier is that I am never a fan of point guards who can't shoot. Yep. Uh, in in 2018, especially uh, when the entire game is predicated around a three point shot, so I don't think he can be our starting point guard going forward because I don't think he's particularly good enough or skilled enough. I guess is the better word to develop a three point shot, especially when he's already been in the league this long. If he were going to be a, a really good three point shooter. By now, I think we'd know it. Although, I mean, I tweeted this out. He's actually been much better on threes this year. But, um, look, he's – look, I, I, I've just never been a fan of yeah. his. I've watched him before. He's The biggest problem with him, the reason Denver traded him was because of his turnovers. Mm-hmm. But um, he's played three games with us now. Uh, he's at the Knicks have lost all three, obviously they've lost their last four, but, um, uh, he's played three games with us, 23 minutes a game, 37% shooting. Uh, he's missed all eight of his threes, uh, 67% on free throws, 10 points, five assists and 2.3 turnovers. I mean, after that first game when he had 14 points and 10 assists, uh, even though it was on 5 of 14 shooting, which was, I mean, 14 points on 14 shots. I mean, even for Nick's Twitter, it was a little ridiculous the way they overreacted to that kind of game. (laughs) I mean, he took 14 shots to get 14 points, guys. Calm down. The guy didn't have that great of a night. But uh, they overreacted. And then against Philly, he had seven points on seven shots. And then in the blowout game against the Wizards that we were just talking about, he had eight points on nine shots. So he's, and I thought it was really funny (laughs) against the Wizards that uh, Clyde uh, Frazier said this most so uh, nonchalantly, like it was just a normal thing to say. He said, uh, uh, Moutier's problem, uh, Mike, uh, talking about Mike Green, Moutier's problem, Mike, has been that uh, he has trouble with layups. <laughs> what? You can't just say that like it's a normal thing. Yeah. Like, he's a professional basketball player. Yeah. He's not supposed to have problems with layups. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's just, look, I, I like that they tried to make the trade, I've just never been a fan. Like, Doug McDermott wasn't a part of the future going forward. He had that nice little stretch where it was fun to watch. Everybody's a fan of him since college. It's fun to watch in college. He's still fun to watch now when he gets hot. But 
they weren't going to resign him anyway, so trading was the right move. And you take a flyer on Moutier because he's under contract next year anyway for uh, uh, on where I think it's still yeah it is still his rookie contract. Um, and if he stinks again next year, then you let him walk. So you give a full year of him and Frank on the court together. If they don't mesh, then then you tried. So I like the move. Uh, I just don't think Moutier is going to get uh, better offensively. And him and Frank together, uh, I know the Knicks think they can play together, but that's two dudes who can't shoot, yep. at least for right now. <laughs> and um, uh, I think it's more likely that Frank gets a better shot because he's a better player, but or more skilled anyway. And Frank's only 19. So it's going to take a while for him to get that shot. And I'm not sure Moody is going to be on the team long enough for that to matter. So uh, I think the the idea of the deal was smart. But uh, in the long run, I I don't think Moody will be on the team in two years. So whatever. You know, look, I'm, I'm with you. Never was a fan of Moody. Never really think, you know, anything of him. I know he's like 21 years old. So the hope is that. He is um, going to develop, and I think after, like you said, game one, everybody overreact uh, to how he played, got overexcited. It, it, it was he's the. I don't think he's going to be the answer. I think he's another guy that you know the Knicks are just trying, but in the end, I don't think it will work. I don't think it will work. Um, so I don't. I don't think very much of that trade. Um, and Chip, really quick, as we're finishing up, um, you know some of the other moves that were were made. Willie Hearn Gomez traded. We'll start off asking you that. What were what was your reaction from that? And then also piggyback off of that about you know Kyle Quinn and Courtney Lee not being traded. I thought that trading Billy Hearn on Gomez was absolutely idiotic. Um, first of all, not even just because. He was a all-rookie performer last year. I know that's what everyone was talking about on Twitter. But how about because of the fact that he's under team control for at least the next two seasons? I mean, there was no reason to trade him. Uh, It's not like he's the kind of guy who would go to the Knicks and say, if you don't trade me, I'm not going to show up to the gym tomorrow or something. I mean, he's best friends with Chris Osborne-Zingas. He's not going to do that to the team. Like, come on, the guy is, he's a good player. Uh, This is, it's my first thought about it was, this has been the Knicks problem for years. They don't develop young guys. They get a guy, a rookie who can finally do something, or another rookie other than Porzingis, and they just give up on him. Uh, I mean, he gets beat out in the rotation by Cantor and O'Quinn, and the Knicks trade him for two second-round picks and a guy they wait. Uh, It's, Makes no sense to me. I I don't understand it at all. Uh, he got beat out in Jeff Hornacek's rotation, and Jeff Hornacek's not going to be there next year. Um, and then there's the Courtney Lee, Kylo Quinn thing, which equally makes no sense. The uh, the not trading of O'Quinn because uh, O'Quinn his deal expires. So I, I thought the Knicks aren't going to bring him back, then um, why not move him? 
but uh, or he doesn't expire. Uh, it has a player option, so he'll opt out. Whatever, because the player option is for something really small. I think like three or four million. And um, so, if the Knicks aren't going to resign him when he opts out, then uh, why why not trade him and get something for him? Because contenders would love to have Kyle Quinn. Mm-hmm. He's a, like a hustle guy, not a great defensive player, but he has like he has pretty good numbers. I mean, he makes like. 59% of his shots, averages 6.6 points, 5.6 rebounds, and that's in, what, that's less than 20 minutes per game, 16.7 minutes per game. So he's got good numbers. Um, he's got teams we'd like to have. Now, as far as not trading Courtney Lee, um, I would have liked if they had done that because I think that uh, he doesn't really belong on this team. Uh, he's a guy who belongs on a contender, but I understand why the Knicks didn't do it uh, because they would have been really selling low on him. <laughs> Not that they had a problem selling low on Hernan Gomez, but that's another story. Uh, they wanted a first-round pick for him, which is completely ridiculous much like the Memphis Grizzlies did for Tyreek Evans, and it just didn't work. And so they decided they were going to hold on to him rather than give him up for, I don't know, maybe two second-round picks like they did for Hernan Gomez. And I don't know. I mean, he's on the books for two more years. Are they really going to keep Courtney Lee for two more years just because he's a good veteran there and he wants to be there? I hope not. I mean... You don't want to let him. You don't want to hold on to him for too long, and then not be able to get anything for him, which could happen. Who knows? Yeah, and but uh, I think Heron Gomez trade. I didn't think it was going to happen. To be honest, so I was a little shocked by that. But it, it is what it is. Um, he was playing in the rotation anyway. I uh, and who knows? Maybe Cornette uh, can kind of step up and, and make that trade look better. You know, a guy that could shoot three pointers, but and can block shots, rebound a little bit. Um, so hopefully he develops, and again, that would make that trade look a little less, little, little, little less worse. Um, but that's all the time that we'll have. Uh, we will be back next week. We'll have a full episode next week, and again, you can go on and listen to uh, the interview with Frank Nielakina. Uh, that was with Danny Small, so that's already published on the site, ready to go. So go check that out. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.